Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Moth. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? I'm back. I'm back from Texas. Texas Forever Street. How's that? Texas How's, Forever. Is, I'm, going, I'm going to Texas in two weeks. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> Different parts of Texas, though. We're, you're going to San Antonio. I'm going to Houston on the same day. The same day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. So if people want to meet in Victoria, Texas, I don't yeah. know if we'll have time, but... We'll wave at you. We'll both be there for like a few hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. Yeah. Um, it was my first time in Texas. Really? I've only time. been to Texas, well, excluding the Dallas airport, of which I'm very familiar. I've only been to Austin, Texas. Oh, no, I've been to Dallas and yeah. Austin. My, my experience was a lot of fun. That was uh, a lie. I just, I just got back from Grand Prix San Antonio. This yeah. was uh, everybody on this podcast knew I was going. I got to meet a lot of you at the, at the tournament, at the Grand Prix. And I got to say, it was a freaking blast. It nice. was a total blast. It was everything we could have possibly hoped it was going to be, sending one of us to that tournament and, par- and pairing one of us with a fan like we did. We, we put a, you know, two people on the team with me. Um, it was everything I really would hope for. So, yeah, that, uh, San Antonio probably was awesome. Yeah, it was just... I wish I was there. Yeah, was it, was, it was really cool, man. I got to say, uh, it really made me realize a few things about our show. Um, what have we done now? 130 episodes? Something like that? 120? Uh, this is 127. Now, every week for the last three weeks, I've said it wrong, but I'm like 90% sure this is 127. I mean, we, we are now firmly two and a half years into the show. And I, I told the story actually kind of all weekend to people as people were asking me sort of, I don't know, just like what it's like being a magic podcaster or just like meeting fans, whatever. Um, not even... I hesitate to call anybody who listens to the show fans, right? I said paired with fans. Listeners is really more like it because the difference between, say, like somebody who does something on television or anything classically is that with podcasting, you and I are just having a conversation. We talk for an hour every single week and people listen to us talk for an hour. So when you meet them, like, for instance, Brian, who is a Twitter, he's a Twitter follower, listener of the show, sent a message and offered to uh, pick me up from the airport, which is really nice. And Brian was like super accommodating all weekend. Um, we like we went out to dinner and stuff. He drove me, drove me, drove me from the hotel to the convention center. It was so cool. But what he said when I sat down in the car and I met him was like, I mean, I was like, hi, I'm Ben. And he's like, yeah, but I kind of feel like I don't really have to have you introduce yourself because I know you because I've listened to you every week. Well, that's like, I mean, do you listen? Uh, you, I assume you listen a to a ton of, of podcasts. A lot of there's podcasts. a lot of them like, oh yeah, I feel like I'm like one of their buddies. And then if they met me, they'd have like, right, no big idea of who who. Yeah. It was kind of like that all weekend. Every time I would meet somebody who listened to the show, they would just be like, big fan, listen to the show every week. And you kind of just would launch into a regular conversation with them right away. There was no like, there was no small talk. It was just like everybody was super comfortable introducing themselves and, and hanging out. Because they're already like, I've definitely been a person who's been thrown into groups where they have a bunch of inside jokes together and, and, and you're just kind of like, oh, I'm on the high. Everyone's laughing about that thing that I would only get if I'd hung out with them for that. But like when you're, Meeting people on podcasts that you also are pretty familiar with, you're in on a lot of their inside jokes. You know kind of what they're talking about regularly. Like if someone were to meet us, they could make fun of me for saying Sage Rhino. Or, you know, there's like enough little things that you can kind of build on that is what basically a relationship is, is inside jokes. 
Yeah, I signed a spell skite. That was pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah, I think that happened maybe over the summer too, but this one, for whatever reason, really stuck with me. I think I signed a hat once. That was cool. Yeah, we both got to sign those hats yeah, at GPLA. Yeah. That was cool. I was, I think I wrote on a picture, I was like, this is the closest I'll ever be to being a professional fo- sports player, is signing this hat. You don't know. <laughs> one day, Ben. Yeah. You're well, young. You could be a pro sports ball player. Pro sports <laughs> ball player. Skyball League. Um, <laughs> that is a reference no one understands. Yeah. So anyway, guys, long story short, it was wonderful to meet everybody. The weekend was so much fun. I was on the fence about what I was going to do if I was going to play a brew or if I was going to play Merfolk. And I ended up playing the brew, and my teammates and I, and Brian, we all we all spent... But you've kept this big mystery. It was really interesting. You've still not shared... What it was? What the brew was. Well, once I was already on the road and like... I was just trying to tweet about it. I felt like I wasn't going to do it justice just to tweet about it. I guess I could have tweeted the list, but I feel like now talking about it will be a lot more fun. People are going to be like, what the hell did you play? A lot of people saw it, and I definitely had exactly the kind of reactions I was hoping all weekend, which is that every opponent and every person next to me was always like, what is this? And then (laughs) then it was like, this is so cool. Um, So that was really awesome. Though I, I, the deck you played, if it became tier one, which uh, the news for today will inform <laughs> everyone that it will not be, yeah, uh, is probably a deck people would hate if it was the yes. best deck in the format. Yeah, people would despise it because you're basically playing Armageddon, which is not fun for anyone. <laughs> you're basically <laughs> playing the prison deck, except even more ridiculous and yeah. aggressive. So. For the, we'll do news before we jump right into it, uh, and then people, those who don't know, uh, if you look at the l- episode that you're on right now on Collected.Company, you'll actually be able to see the list. So go to Collected.Company, our website, yeah. uh, and that Ben's list for this deck that we are still holding a mystery, even though people can go look at it right now at Collected.Company. Right now. Uh, that's where the list is. Um, and Twitter, probably, which is at the MMCast. I'm at Kesweiler. You are at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, we'll do other shout-outs later in the episode, but... First, the news, and this news will curtail right into our episode. Yes, sir. That is the mic. There's a big rules change that happened. This is the second time it's happened to me like this. I know. So we'll we'll get into that, and we'll get into that later. Uh, But basically, the rules change is that the way split cards are referred to in any place that's not the stack is their collective converted mana cost. So if a split card, like Breaking and Entering, which is a two-drop normally or a six-drop normally, uh, is now an eight-drop in any place that is not the stack. I thought it was a six drop. I thought it's the higher of the two CMCs. No, it's the combined. You're positive. No, but I will look it up while you continue talking about I the think rules change. We actually are not 100 because because it. Well, had, no, we have the official ruling right here. I have okay. It. So you read it and uh, I'll talk. So, yeah, yeah, from what I understand, the ruling is basically to. They're, they're changing the rules, and we're going to give you the exact the exact season in just a second here. But basically, the gist of it is for the longest time, cards that had a split, right? Like the two, the double sided cards had usually a lower and a higher mana cost. You know, one one cost one thing, one cost oh, right. a little more. It's the combined. Got it. So, so for instance, this split card, which is in the example on the thing, is Destined to Lead. This is one of the new cards. It is a the new kind of aftermath cards. It is two mana for Destined, uh, and it is four mana for Lead. That is six mana total. It is a green-black spell, because Destined is black, and Lead is green. And it is only, only one of those things when it is put on the stack. Right. So, um, the effectively the rules change. What it what it really means is, you can no longer cheat things by targeting the lower of the two converted mana costs and getting the benefit of the higher converted mana cost by by establishing that say something that had like boom bust, which was two Correct. and six, casting a six drop for two mana. So, like for instance, go- like what's interesting is there's actually like multiple ways in standard that would have taken advantage of this that no longer can, and I think that's on purpose. 
I think previously they've like wanted to make this change, but there was never really anything forcing them to do it. So they're kind of just letting it live. But now that there's the expertise and gar- goblin dark dwellers in, and brain in the jar, all in standard, right. it's like, oh, we have to deal with a this. lot of really high power level kind of unfair things. And so like goblin dark dwellers can't flash back any of these, you know, the, the bigger side if it targets the smaller side. But it can still flash back ancestral visions. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, that's a different conversation. It's yeah. not, this is specifically with split cards. Uh, Transgress the Mind can't kind of do its thing. Dark, or, or can't just exile something. Dark Confidant uh, will lose you total life. Yeah, now, interestingly enough, though, the reverse of it is actually there as well. So Inquisition of Kozilek targeting your hand, if you have any of these cards with a cost, with one of the costs above three, they can't steal out of your hand. Yeah, so so Inquisition of Kozilek, I think like Fire and Ice it can still grab, but it yeah. can't grab uh, Breaking and Entering or, or Boom Bust. Yeah. yeah, you can't get it. Um, Kari Zeb's expertise can't call Beck and Call anymore. Violent Outburst, so Cascade can no longer Cascade into Boom Bust. Yep. Uh, Isochron Scepter can't imprint the, the bigger half or either half anymore. Yep. Uh, and Counterbalance um, wouldn't uh, theoretically be able to choose between like Wear and or Tear when it's wanting to counter. So you don't get like yeah. one or two spells on the same spell. It's a three mana one. So it ruins a lot. Like the big ones are like there's a real breaking and entering deck that's kind of gone. There's the the expertise beck and call deck that's been kind of getting really popular. Yep. These are decks that are kind of really sad to lose the format and that's where I'm sad about it. I've talked to a lot of people and especially judge communities from a like kind of how mana burn was kind of a thing that there were cool strategies that took advantage of it but on the whole it wasn't really relevant and made it much more complicated to teach magic this is probably better for magic on the whole uh i and i understand ben's personal issue with it because he just built a sweet brew that took advantage of this exact effect and is against it and i do agree that having a lot of cool ways to interact this way is interesting but i i understand where the rules change comes from i mean this is where i come from so for those of you that don't remember, and you, you might, you might remember, Hunted Handsome was a deck that I used to play before this podcast existed. And the premise of Hunted Handsome was that you played a bunch of things that made multiple copies of tokens for your opponent, and you played Leyline of Singularity in the main deck, which made all permanents legendary. So if your opponent had two copies of the same token, they would both effectively cease to exist, which means you could play Hunted Horror or 7-7 seven, seven Trample for two black on turn two because it gave your opponent two tokens of the same name. They would evaporate. You would take advantage of this by playing things like Blood Artist, so on and so forth. When they changed the legend rule so that only one of those tokens would die, it stopped being able to board wipe things and doing all, all kinds of crazy, funky stuff and made it a little bit worse. Um, I understood that, but again, the intricate sort of like rules, corners, and like really narrow ways of taking advantage of things is one of the things that makes magic so complex and so fascinating. I think when you start changing the rules to accommodate the learning curve of newer players, you're kind of still trying to hedge and get closer and closer to Hearthstone. You're trying to get closer and closer to something no, that is... No, I don't think that's true. I mean, like, I think getting rid of Mana Burn was a absolutely the best possible decision. I think getting rid of damage on the stack was absolutely the best possible decision. Yes, some cards got worse because of it. And and damage on the stack is a better example because there's a ton of cards that are way worse now um, than they were when damage was on the stack. Mog Fanatic, Mog, Mog Fanatic. Fanatic specifically. <laughs> but magic is so much significantly better because of it. Right. I mean, all I'm saying is with this change, I... I thought it was really cool that you could take advantage of this, and I don't think that getting rid of the ability to take advantage of this makes the game... How many split cards are there ever? There's like so few that have ever been printed that it's well, just... Well, they're about to add a bunch. Yeah, but even then, it's just such a small thing. And, and I don't know. To me, it's like when you find well, things that really... There's there's so few examples that even reference it that I find it I find it annoying well, that's, to change that's, the rules. that's an argument for the other end, is because these are so complicated, 
they're so few having them be such a weird is a bad idea or there's be a weird corner case that no one like a new player is never going to know this corner case so like what happens is it's the classic example of like you play a player you do something that the rules allow but don't seem super intuitive and then you the other player feels like you're cheating sure and like so it's definitely something i understand why you need the change i agree your deck is really sweet and i wish it could continue and we will talk about it now yeah and i love the breaking and entering decks and i feel bad for people that just kind of bought into that deck yeah but i think that deck curtails into goryo's vengeance decks if i were to recommend to anyone i would say kind of move that deck towards goryo's vengeance if you bought into that deck played goryo's vengeance anyway the deck played it right but go for like kind of the full the full the grixis goryo's vengeance yeah yeah. Uh, more the grixis one I, i don't think the cards go towards Grishelbrand. I think that's just a different set of cards. They just go towards the Grishelbrand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, now you're ready, you ready to talk about this deck that you keep keeping a secret and everyone's really wondering yes, what it is. Yes, we're going to talk about all the things before we get into an audio. the full episode and the yep. full audio review of my tournament in GP San Antonio because what we didn't tell you guys is that we kept we kept little post-round reports. Uh, my teammates and I, Ryan and Steve and I, we all would go into this like quiet little area and record a uh, post-match report each round so you can kind of hear the story and I'll walk through it and we'll do a little commentary on here and then we'll play each one so but yes follow us on Twitter you can find me at Ben Bateman Media you can find you at Kess Wiley and you can find the podcast at the MM Cast yeah uh, the main channel we didn't do earlier was uh, the Patreon so make oh, sure to go to the Patreon it's like that's how we kind of that's how Ben went to go to the GP that's how we were able to kind of accomplish this whole goal uh, the next big GP we're going to go to is GP Vegas so you know make sure if you want to meet up with us follow us on these places check us out Donate to the Patreon. It makes all this very possible. Um, and uh, yeah, and we'll, let's let's get you ready to start playing some audio. Do you have a thing? Uh, all I was going to say is this: this podcast lives on Collected.company. So go find that on Collected.company with Jimmy and Josh. Unless yeah, we, you already did that shout out. Was, yeah, I, was I having a stroke while you were doing the shout out? Yeah, already said you can find the deck list at Collected.company where sure. this episode is posted and where you can find every episode of the National's Modern Podcast. Yes, I guess Including you did. Jimmy and Josh's podcast, okay, which so is the I Fan Zone, listening. and Game Nights, which is their new series that's really sweet. It's them playing Commander. I was in the third episode. Go check that out. Excellent. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Let's move on to the show. Like, um, yeah. so, you never listen to me anymore, yeah. Ben. <laughs> So um, I built this thing because I had this idea, and the idea was going to be that Death Shadow Jund and Infect and Affinity and some of these decks with really like a ton of low CMC and especially one drops were going to be prominent in this format. So I decided to build a deck that took advantage of Chalice of the Void on one, similar to the White Red Prison decks. Um, so I built a deck that played four Chalice of the Void and four Simeon Spirit Guide. And from there... I this is obviously before this rules change announcement, so it was basically a hyper land destruction deck that was getting to do like free and unfair things. So it played four Dark Steel Citadel and some number of Flagstones of Trocare. It was Jeskai. It played some Ancestral Visions and Soul Artifact, Engineered Explosives main deck. It played uh, Kari Zev's expertise and SRAM's expertise with a Beck Call and some copies and all the boom busts I mentioned. Played a Goblin and, Dark Dwellers. And it's important to remember that many people think, oh, but you're not going to be able to call Beck, but you can just cast Call, which you is just six mana call. for four one one flyers, which yeah. is just slightly worse. In many ways, worse than Lingering Souls, but as a worst case scenario, it's a it's not, full cast Lingering Souls. Yeah, it's not the worst thing. It played two <laughs> copies of Jace Friend's Prodigy. It played one copy of Catch Release. It played some Boros Charms. Uh, it played a main deck Tormod's Crypt. It did all kinds of funky stuff. So, so we're going to do a little bit of a deck tech on this throughout the episode as we go through the tournament report. And then we're at the very end of the episode, we'll talk about the changes you're going to make to the deck to A, make it more... What changes you would have made especially without the rules change and then what deck you're, changes you're thinking now with the rules change or is the deck still viable at the end of all this? Excellent. So yeah, that was kind of the, the premise of the deck. I mean, the, the best things the deck was doing were you could Chalice for one on turn one if you got a Spirit Guide. 
you could play a boom pretty effectively on turn two with a Dark Steel Citadel, even on turn one with a Dark Steel Citadel and a Simeon Spirit Guide sometimes. Um, or, 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 foot, or, or flagstones. flagstones. So you had like pretty aggressive land destruction. You could steal you could steal things with your greater Gargadon sack outlet. So you could steal a creature with Karizev, sack the creature to your Gargadon, and get like a free spell all for three mana, do tons of crazy high value chains. And then at the end of the game, if you were in an advantageous position, you could play Goblin Dark Dwellers or one of your free spells, getting the bust side of Boom Bust, putting Armageddon on the stack and sacking all all of your lands to Greater Gargadon with all the land destruction on the stack, getting a 9-7 with them having no lands to answer. And then also, because of your Flagstones and your Darksteel Citadel, you'd often come out of it with one or two lands anyway. So, it was kind of shenanigans. It had the also the ability, because of all of the zero-cost artifacts, four Chalices, three Explosives, one Tormod's Crypt, and four Citadels, to swing for five on turn two with an Soul Artifact a lot of the time. That was the main win condition. And you would be amazed when you play Simeon Spirit Guide and land into Chalice on turn one and then suit up your Chalice with an Insole Artifact on turn two and attack for five, how often it just wins the game. People don't have a removal spell and you're swinging for five on turn two. Now, it's risky to go all in like that, but sometimes it just wins outright. And then anytime, if you draw a boom, you just ha- you still have the same land into your boom bust and take out a land. And the only, only removal spell in that format at worst makes it so that Simeon Spirit Guide... Like they one for one you and you get a, you're still up a land because Path to Exile is the only real thing that can destroy an indestructible five five. Yeah, or a Liliana making you sack creature. Yeah, but that's two turns later. Like yeah. that's that you have time to kind of deal with the Liliana issue versus like Path, path which is the main risk you have. And Except at that point, if you're suiting up a Chalice for one, they can't even cast it, which is the whole point. If you've played Chalice oh, no. for oh, one, right, suiting right. it up. That's what I'm saying. It's like you play Chalice for one, you suit it up, and then all of a sudden, most people are looking at it just being like, they can dismember it. That's something they can do. Yeah, yeah, but so yeah. anyway, that was cool. It was it was really interesting. It Journey had, to nowhere out of the sun and moon decks. <laughs> yes, we had we had I had two Boros charms in the main deck. It seemed like an interesting card to be playing because you could a double strike a five five or your Gargadon, which was really powerful. You could b make a land indestructible if you wanted. You know, all your permanents indestructible in response to like your bus that went on the stack. Um, what what w- did you get to play Boris Charm many times during the tournament? Only once or twice. Only once. And how was out, it when you played it? It was okay. I took okay. out I took out a Liliana with it, which is one of the other reasons it was in the deck. Yep. Um, I I saved a Chalice of the Void uh, when somebody was trying to abrupt decay at one point. Okay. Um, that was kind of what I had. Was in it mind. ever really dead in your hand? Boris Charm? Uh, no, it was fine. Okay. I didn't cast it very often. I cut it from when I when I've done the update now. I cut it from the deck, but it was interesting. It was it was the final ad. We had a lot of cool ideas for the deck. You know, uh, Brian and Steve and I and Ryan all talked about it a lot, and uh, yeah, it was cool. So let's get into the let's get into the tournament report. Okay. All right, so here we are. We're we're sitting near the Cattle Ranchers Expo, which is in the same building actually as uh, as this Magic tournament here. I'm I'm here with my two teammates. Why don't you boys introduce yourselves? I'm Ryan Sconard. Uh, Steve St. Clair. And we just finished up round one of the tournament. So we've got, a, it's a team unified tournament, right? We've got, we've got uh, three decks that have no cards that step on each other. The three decks we're playing right now, we've got, uh, we've got Ryan playing Death Shadow Jund, which is like the hot deck right now. Um, have you played a, a bunch of Death Shadow Jund or is it a newer deck for you? Uh, yeah, I've been playing it uh, pretty much since I heard about it on this podcast, actually. And uh, I was just like a regular Jund mid-range, Jund mid-range player before that. So that was kind of the natural transition. So it's super powerful. It's like just kind of all in with really efficient creatures and tons of hand disruption and, and Death Shadow is awesome. And then over here on my other side, we got Steve Sinclair who is playing Infect. And is Infect deck you played for a while? Uh, it is. I always find counting to 10 is faster than counting to 20. 
Sweet. So, and then I'm playing this total shenanigans brew that I, I don't even really feel like explaining right now is going to do justice. But the gist of it is it plays Greater Gargadon, Boom Bust, and Soul Artifact, Darksteel Citadel, Chalice of the Void, Symbian Spirit Guide, and then the free spells like the Karizevs and Sram's Expertise. And you get some free stuff off it like Beck Call and Ancestral Vision. Other half of Boom Bust. That's kind of the gist of the deck. So, uh, we just wrapped up game one and we 6 0'd. Right? Match one. We 6 0 We all, I mean, granted, these guys actually won the match, which I didn't even have to finish my game. But then for funsies, I played game two and I actually won. So tell me about your first match a little bit, Ryan. Well, my opponent was on uh, Esper Death Shadow. Uh, that's the, uh, the build that has uh, Delver of Secrets and some Delve cards, you know, cheats into Tassiger. And uh, yeah, I think on paper that's supposed to be a pretty good matchup. I think that's kind of gunning for Death Shadow Jund in the metagame. But I drew pretty well. I, I hit some good uh, early Inquisition of Kozilex, uh, shut down his, uh, his game plan, and just got in there with the huge creatures. How, like, what, in the past, people haven't played eight hand disruption spells in many modern decks. It's usually been like five to six in the good decks. Uh, why do you think it was okay in this deck all of a sudden in your experience to be just playing eight in the main deck? Uh, good question. I, I, hmm. Well, uh, certainly the, the four thought seizes are working with your death shadow because the loss of two life can actually help you. And then it's just like so concentrated in, in one drops, uh, you know, just um, being able to do more on those early turns and the fact that you're not really going to be able to, you don't need those slots free for like two drops, three drops anyway. I think that's part of it. Yeah. And then uh, what, do you, what do you think? How did your first match go? I was able to one-shot my opponent through a ghost prison. They were on mono-white ideal. And then game two, I was able to get in two shots without any removal. It kind of worked out. Seems highly unlikely that against Infect they're ever going to cast Enduring Ideal against you, right? Right. I'm looking to kill them at most turn four. Yeah. So uh, my first match was against a, uh, like, one of those ramp decks that plays, like, land destruction. It's, like, red-green, um, you know, birds and arbor elves and things like that, blood moon, whatnot. And, um, <laughs> I mean, the first game, he molded the four, which was a bummer. The second game, on the play, he plays Utopia Sprawl on his land, passes back to me. I play Flagstones of Trocare, <laughs> Spirit Guide, into Boom Bust, and I blow up my own flagstones, turn it into a land, and two-for-one him on his Utopia Sprawl. I think that was pretty much the most dirty thing I'm going to do all day. Um, though maybe it'll get even better. I don't know. We'll see. It, it was definitely a lot of fun. and I mean, not for him. It was a lot of fun for me. But uh, that was sweet. So that's how we started. What's our general mood going into round two right now? Looking to count to ten some more. Uh, good. It's always good to post that first win. You know, confidence. Yeah. yeah, big time. Confidence, guys. Having fun. Having fun here in Texas. Texas Forever Street. And uh, we're going to go and play the next match here. So we'll check back with you guys in a little bit. All right. So that was that was round one. Yeah. Uh, sounds like you guys did pretty well. Yeah, our spirits were so high. <laughs> <laughs> what was what was the coolest thing you guys? I mean, that play I talked about was pretty sweet. Yeah. I was. Is that even like? Okay, so he Utopia sprawls his land, uh -huh. and I spirit guide boom with a flagstones. So I lose my spirit guide and my boom, but I don't lose a land. And he loses two cards. Yeah, one of them being a land. So which it's, is a big. I think like you're down a card there, but he's down a mana. He's down he's two down cards. A, he's down. Well, because he Utopia sprawl draws a card, right? No. Oh, 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 oh. No. Yeah, then that's pretty good. <laughs> It's pretty dirty, especially considering it was turn one for me. Like, I feel like he just, the slump was just, the slump was real. Um, yeah, so that was pretty good. I, I, we were definitely really happy. I think for all of our spirits, because, because uh, we didn't win the GP, um, <laughs> starting out strong <laughs> like that was just a nice way for us to get, 
I don't know, just like yeah, forward. We'll get hyped. Just forward momentum. Wait, you didn't win the GP? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> we, we had we definitely had fun and and you know, we there's a lot of nerves. It's always fun starting a big long tournament, but if you start the big long tournament on a loss, it's sometimes if you don't win, if you're not doing super well by the end of the day, starting on a loss just puts you on a really bad foot. Yeah. It's hard not to tilt after that first For sure. loss. Though getting in that loser bracket, I, I've definitely crawled my way back from that. Like lost the first round, then just won from that point on. Uh, spoiler alert, we definitely experienced the losers brackets. So. <laughs> <laughs> so upcoming. All right, let's let's hear the next let's hear the next round. Okay, yeah, round two check in. Let's see how we did here. And guys, we're back. We're back hanging out again in the quietest area in the convention here, the Cattle Ranchers Expo. Um, We just wrapped up round two of the tournament. Uh, Unfortunately, we are sitting at one and one. We got that bitter, bitter taste of defeat for the first time today. But you only have to 6-3 to make day two. I got to say, for three guys that just met each other yesterday, one of whom is playing a deck that is full of bad cards, if we could 6-3 the first day, I would be absolutely just like crazy impressed and happy. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I think your your brew has been performing really well. Uh, yeah, definitely is an unknown quantity. It's encouraging. I think we can make it. So yeah, so we so I won my second match. So the brew, the shenanigans brew is two zero. Unfortunately, you guys got two zero to each. Tell me a little bit about your matchups. So my opponent was playing Pure Steel Storm, and they just happened so to go fast. a little bit faster. I don't have any main board removal for them. I have a couple pierces to slow them down, but it didn't end up working out. Yeah, that's really interesting. Infect is traditionally like a pretty fast, pretty resilient deck, but that deck is, they, they call that deck Cheerios sometimes, right? Yeah. That deck is just crazy, crazy explosive when it gets the right start, right? It, it is, and aside from any sort of removal for their uh, for SRAM or Pure Steel Paladin, you're not doing much game one. Now, unless I'm mistaken, your opponent claimed he invented the deck, right? He said he did, and then he also played, played it with Shocks and Legacy. I'm like, okay... Right. Let's just play modern. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I mean, not to say that he's lying, because he could very well be the guy that invented the deck, but I'm always dubious when somebody says they invented a deck. Like, there's 30 million of us, so like, and there's only 20,000 magic cards. So like, we're all thinking about ways to combine things in the most unfair and fun ways. Like, I think the person that invents the deck is the guy that wins with it, is, in my opinion, usually how it works. Like, everybody's working on it until someone wins with it. The day I win with a Spellwild Oof deck in Modern will be the day that the Spellwild Oof deck was invented by me. That, so that deck Look probably was invented by me because no one else plays it. Don't. Um, how'd your match go? <laughs> uh, not so good. So I was, uh, I was matched up against Burn, which when you're playing Death Shadow is... Uh, I find it really fun to pilot, actually. Although, uh, Burn is favored, but I think it's winnable. Um, because, you know, they're, they're kind of doing your job for you, making the Death Shadow bigger, but, you know, you go to low that can just kill you out of nowhere, uh, which is what happened to me game one. I actually had uh, a win on the board. I just had to thought seize myself down to three life. And uh, as long as they didn't top deck anything on their last turn, which I had seen off a discard spell, I would have been fine. But they had the Atarkas command, just like killed me before combat. That was, that was a bit of a heartbreaker. And then in game two, uh, you know, Collective Brutality comes out of the sideboard. That is definitely one of your most important cards in that matchup. Uh, but yeah, I didn't get there. So in my match, I played against... Um I played against Abzan. That's what it was. An Abzan deck that was playing that, what was like the voice under the floorboards? What was the card that he was showing that he was oh, playing? From under the floorboards? Yeah, yeah, so sweet. So spicy. Discard that to a Collective Brutality or like discard that to a Liliana. Seems epic. I was really into that. He also plays Restoration Angel in the main deck. But uh, both times, boom bust, just booming like crazy. And um, game two, I got to like boom, boom. And then on like turn six, 
I drew a bust, and I had a suspended Gargadon at that point, and I just blew up everything, sacked all my lands to Gargadon, and um, actually in that match it was really interesting. There was one play where I had a SRAM's expertise in hand, I was able to cast it, and I didn't have anything good to get with it, but I had just played back-to-back -back booms, and so the correct play in that situation just seemed like get him while he's slowed down and make three one ones and just create a clock, and that ended up being the right decision because he didn't actually start drawing things he could do for a lot of turns because I had taken out two of his lands. And uh, four mana for three one one tokens in modern is like not very good, but it is when you've boomed and boomed, and it's especially good when you have when you draw bust the Gargadon suspended. So uh, that was awesome. Boomed so that and match boomed. ended, and uh, I think we're all feeling I think we're all feeling pretty excited about being here. One one's a lot better than O two, and I've started a lot of tournaments O two. It is not fun. So. I think we're all feeling good, yeah? Yeah. We're ready for the next round. Awesome, guys. We'll talk to you at the end of the next round. Thanks for listening. I mean, I know I still have hope for you guys. I should have called my deck Boomtown. Yeah. Yeah. Boomtown. Yeah, welcome to Boomtown. And every time I play Population a boom... you. Every time I say... Every time I play a boom, look, my opponent's like, Boomtown! I would have gotten socked in the face. I, would, I seriously would have gotten like... Somebody would have jumped over the table at me. Like, if I actually did that. <laughs> it would have been the worst. Like Dennis from Thirty Rock, like that level, <laughs> that like that level of just grinding on people. <laughs> people would have like blown blood vessels if I had done it. Um, anyway, spell wild oof, guys, because I know that's the question you all were gonna ask. Just kidding. No, uh, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll save that for another episode. And I actually played or, against the pure uh, day two after we were not in day two. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you didn't day two? <laughs> Why am um, I listening to this? <laughs> um, so I played against the Pure Steel guy, the same guy in a side event. I played some modern single limbs. If this doesn't involve the oof card you're talking about, I don't know. <laughs> no, I just played against Pure Steel, and like I know about the deck. I've read about the deck. I've you know I've even watched matches with the deck. But playing against it when like you feel like you're pretty disruptive. Game one, I actually beat him because I had an engineered explosives on the table for zero that I had played because I was like, yeah, it's. it's it, on turn, well, Seems good. With the original build of this deck, the one that I took to the tournament, it played three EEs in the main. And what I found was, on the play blind, it's actually correct to play explosives on zero um, because it means if you draw the right land or the Ensoul artifact, you can swing for five on two. And it's not, so, it's not actually like disadvantageous enough for you to hold it back just in case you need it against affinity or anything like that. So um, I played it and I had a spirit guide in hand that I didn't use and he went for it on turn two with pure steel and I held back a spirit guide and I had one open mana and I went for spirit guide uh, and, and blew up my explosives on zero during his chain when he played retract with seven, seven permanents on the battlefield. Um, and that was sweet. And then he just beat me the next two games because that deck wins on turn two. Yeah, it's so, really good. Deck's, that deck's crazy. It, it folds to every removal spell in the format. Yes, but it wins on turn two. Yeah. Like, Almost outright, like it. You play your creature on turn two, right? But it, it can't win if someone has a removal spell on turn one or two. After boarding, it can, but yeah, sure. So anyway, um, that was our round two, and Spell Wild Oof's a great card. It should be I, just just for the record. You talking about it? That's how I go. Oof. I just want. I've explained this Oof. once before, but I just want to explain what the card is because actually, it's it's crazy that this card doesn't come up sometimes. Cost a green and a colors for a one three, right? Spells that target Spell Wild Oof cost two less to cast. Now, if you think about it in modern, every removal spell is a siren in the background. Every re every removal spell in modern doesn't, like, they pretty much don't have colorless in the cost, right? Like, give or take. Like, say, what are the ones that have colorless in the cost? Dismember. Yeah, okay, dismember. 
Aside from that, path costs one, abrupt decay costs two. None of their removal spells get any better. So if you build a deck around this card, it means that you can cast like any kind of two or three mana aura, for and it's going to come down for like one. So like it's it's a super powerful. Is that heroic? No, because there's a heroic one that does this as well. So you have the full eight available uh, yes. to you. So I just think it's interesting. I'm not saying it's competitive, but I'm just saying it's an interesting card considering it's well, a one you're three. Saying. You're saying this is this is it. Well, it's a one three to start with. So if you play anything on it, it's resilient to bolt. And I think it's pretty interesting. Anyway, just 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 a joke, because I was using it as a joke in okay, there. But so let's let's go to the next round. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> round three. What's up? Fight. Guys, we're back, back near the Cattle Ranchers Expo. Um, haven't seen any cattle. We've seen some ranchers. We're now one and two. Um, it was a tougher round. It was a tougher round. We're going to start over here with the win. The only win of the match came from our man playing. In fact, how was the match? It was, uh, it was some really tight games, all three of them. I almost lost two Infect in game three. Yeah, your sideboarding was, was pretty interesting there. Tell me about that a little bit. So I was taking out a little bit of more my protection. I wasn't seeing any dispatches or galvanic blasts. So I went more on the artifact removal with the seal of primordium and nature's claims. And then I figured Viridian corruptors were a little too slow, so I didn't bring those in. Okay, interesting. And then over here, uh, you had the the one of the two losses. I was one of the other ones. Um, tell me about your match a little bit. Well, I had to play against Burn again. They're just gunning for me in CDA for some reason. And uh, this one went a little bit better than the last uh, the last round where I also played Burn. Uh, it went uh, it went to game three, and uh, yeah, I I had an interesting decision. One game where I was just kind of lagging, and I played out an early like a one one Death Shadow just to eat a lightning bolt, slow them down. Uh, that that game didn't go so well. And then game three was was very close. I was actually one turn away from a lethal attack. I had the teamer battle rage uh, just in hand. Yeah, it burned me out. Then, like, the, the other game that I lost, it was just, like, uh, lightning helix, double lightning bolt from nine left to zero all at once. It's very tough. You just have to kind of draw well against that. Yeah, I, I'm definitely finding... So I played against Death Shadow, and I'm definitely finding that the, the eight one-mana hand disruption spells, that's, that's everything, because it just completely ruins your plan. Whatever plan you look at your opening hand, you say, I'm going to be able to do X, Y, or Z, especially if you're on the draw. Uh, I went to three games, and I looked like I was going to 2-0 him. You know, game two was sweet. Game one was really close. I did have one play where I played catch, stealing his, his uh, Tarmogoyf and attacking his Liliana and then sacking the Tarmogoyf to my Greater Gargadon, which was, like, definitely an epic play. But in game three, uh, it got really close, and he was able to, like, rebound after, like, a bunch of stuff and then just lay an extra Tarmogoyf and Death Shadow at the same turn after it looked like I was going to take control of the match. So uh, it was close, but... Did not get through on that one. So I, I would still say our spirits are high. We have we have some food coming now. We're going to eat a little lunch and then head back in for our next match. Um, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm still super excited. How do you guys feel? Yeah, I'm loving it too. This is fun. I'm just here for the experience, and it's great. I'm just here for the tacos, so let's go eat them. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, see you in a little bit. Did you actually get tacos? I don't think we did. I think we got something else. Oh, that's so disappointing. Oh, wait. Did we get tacos? You better have gotten tacos. No, that was here. I ate tacos. I had something else there. Or maybe I had... No, 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 I did. I had a fajita bowl from Chipotle. That's what it was. Is that a taco? Eh, kind of. Similar ingredients. Similar okay. ingredients. Okay. Um, uh, Ryan's wife, Diana, was like just the absolute, just the queen of the weekend. She like took... She literally... She took, she took like total care of all of us. Nice. Like, she got us food. She like... It was just unbelievable. She's great. Um, yeah, we... That was... That was... Uh, I think our spirits are all pretty high there. I played against Death Shadow in that one, and uh, I mean, I think the Infect matchup, we talked a lot. It's weird. Looking to my left, for whatever reason, it was a lot easier than looking to my right, so I conferred with Steve a lot more, a lot less with Ryan. I'm not really sure why it was. Um, Ryan was playing 
Ryan was playing Death Shadow and Steve was playing Infect. Okay. And there was just something about like when I don't know, like you hold your cards in your left hand or something. I don't really know why it was, but I constantly would look left. And uh, I talked. I talked to Ryan during the matches, but it seemed like I was talking to Steve a lot more between games. Um, but yeah, in that matchup, that was definitely one of the. That was definitely one of the matchups, like for the for this build of the deck, where it felt pretty close for me actually. And I do actually feel like the version of the deck I was playing was pretty well positioned against Death Shadow. Um, but at, at this point, uh, were there any cards that you were kind of realizing, oh, this card was probably a mistake to be playing, or I wish I was playing this card instead? Um, it definitely. The deck always felt a little threat light, and okay. the two Jace Vryn's prodigies got sided out in a lot of matches because they were a little too slow. Okay. Um, the deck was trying to do something very explosive, and you often would have a glut of two drops, and it would feel like in modern, playing your boom or like you're in soul on turn two, and then then playing the Jace on three, and not even getting to activate the Jace till four was too slow. Was just a little slow. Sure. It wasn't really doing what you didn't want to play him on turn two. The best the best Jace hands were the ones that I spirit guided him into play on turn one. Those were the games that Jace felt like he was really good. Okay. Um, uh, something that I realized, and, and I might be off base here, but uh, I'm surprised we're not seeing a lot more, and you're going to love this, Spellskites played in Death Shadow. It seems really strong in that deck. That deck, A, is very threat-light, similar to your deck. Protects your threats so and pays your life. But you can, like, just casting any spell, you could decide whatever you want your life total to be. So you could, like, swing and then target Spellskite with any removal spell yeah, in your deck. You tar fire, just, you, like, tar fire <laughs> mid-combat and just, like, I'll just kill you. Yeah, so like I'm surprised it's not seeing as much play. Yeah, it's they don't really have slots for dead cards, unfortunately. I think it's a sideboard card at, at the very minimum. But like even just like two, like one spell kind of. If you have Death Shadow turn one and Spell Scout on turn two, it seems really hard. You for never you. play a Death Shadow on turn one, almost ever. Right, that's true. You if you De- thought he's turn one, Spell Scout on turn two, Death Shadow on turn three. Yeah, Death Shadow comes down on like turn two or three. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I think I realize now why paying it on turn one is a mistake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, people did it. I like all day against death shadow matchups. It would be like, uh, they'd be like, uh, before playing a land street, Wraith, street, Wraith, crack, triple fetch and crack yeah. fetch pay two thoughtsies. And they'd, so they'd pay like two, four, six, nine. They'd go to like 11 on turn one, Yeah, you know? And then turn two, they would play like hand disruption spell. Should like, is death there, shadow. what's the, I guess you have to have three, uh, three um, Street, Wraith? Street Wraiths to be able to play it on turn one. But even then, you don't even want to do it until you've played your hand disruption. Because they, they yeah, all... Yeah, they, yeah. I, w- I think every single game, every single game against a Death, Death Shadow Jack deck all weekend, in testing and in matches, like whatever, 22 for 22, whatever the games were, hand disruption on turn one. There might have been a single game one time when they didn't play a hand disruption spell. But I think it's sure. like yeah, perfect. Yeah. It's like a, they, they don't really keep a hand unless it has one. Yep, that makes sense. Um... Yeah, so so ready for the next round? Yeah, let's get into round four. Insane in the mem four. That's not that's not that's not it doesn't even rhyme. And we are back. We just wolfed down lunch. We are one and three, unfortunately, but we're still looking forward to the rest of the day. Um, how are you guys feeling? What are your spirits like? Um, still feeling good. You know, don't don't care if I lose, I'm just here to have fun. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I mean winning is fun, but <laughs> playing magic cards is also really, really fun. Let's talk about these last matches a little bit. Where where were you at, Steve? I was uh, playing against Bantel Drazi, something I had totally spaced on when getting my sideboard ready. Made a play mistake game two, which cost me, but I was able to infect him out both games one and three. So unfortunately, we let we let the team down. 
my, my man Ryan here and I, um, unfortunately, I got really close to the win on game one. I got Tassigard out on, on turn one versus Grixis Shadow. And then on turn two, on game two, I went Spirit Guide, Steam Vents, Tormod's Crypt, and Soul and got my own 5-5 five five on turn one. And that won me the game. And in game three, I ended up getting stubborn, stubborn denialed out when I was about to play my SRAM's expertise, which sucked. I had an Ancestral on one about to come off Suspend, and I had, like, another Boom Bust in hand that I was going to play off the expertise. It looked set up for me to win, uh, but it didn't really go my way. How'd your matchup go? Uh, well, I was playing against Ad Nauseam, which is, uh, you know, the thing about this, uh, Death Shadow John is it's not supposed to have a ton of bad matchups, but the ones that it does have, they are out in force in this metagame, you know, not to be surprised. Uh, I, I don't regret playing it, though. You know, like, when, when you're here to have a good time, you just got to go with something that you know how to pile in, so yeah. no regrets there. And, uh, yeah, it... it it does have some game against that uh, against that deck, but unfortunately, my opponent got out Leyline of Sanctity uh, game two and game three, and there's really not very much you can do about that. You know, you, you board in Maelstrom Pulse and you kind of cross your fingers. Obviously, you can't board out uh, the, your discard spells or like mulligan them away. You just have to kind of cross their fingers and hope they don't have it or hope that you hit the pulse. Uh, but you know, he did, and I was kind of dead on the board. I just scrapped out with the Tarmogoy for a little bit, but you know, you're basically just trying to outrace a much faster clock of them to just get up to their mana. Although I. I I did uh, win game one in, in some style. I actually, uh, I mean, I, I had him dead on board anyway, but I did manage to win one turn sooner just by, like, killing his mana so that he couldn't pay for his own back to negation. So that was pretty, that was pretty entertaining. That's excellent. <laughs> yeah. That's excellent. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think that every single team should have one of their members bring a loved one. Uh, we have Ryan's wife here. She, she just went to get us food, which is unbelievable. Uh, it's the biggest, it's the biggest strategic advantage we have going for us right now uh, is that. So we, that was great. And we have the rest of the day. We, we're not near the cattle ranches at this point. We went to the other side, to another quiet area. Uh, maybe that'll bring us better luck in this next round. We just got to go 5-0. We just got to 5-0. This is the this is the make or break time, guys. This is Rocky Four. Uh, it's playing right now. It's Eye of the Tiger time. So we're stoked. Uh, you guys, anything else to say on this check-in? I think we can do it. Yeah, I'm right. feeling, feeling good. High hopes. High hopes. High hopes, guys. So hopefully somebody doesn't dash our hopes, except we'd pay five life and stay alive. <laughs> Bye, guys. Yeah, that dash hopes pun. Are you just laughing? High hopes. Oh, high hopes. High hopes. hopes, High hopes. Yes, we had high hopes. (laughs) They were destroyed. Uh, So what would you say your deck's worst and best matchups were? Uh, To this point? Yeah. Or Or through through the weekend. Uh, I actually, I do think, I think that Death Shadow was probably one of the better matchups. Makes sense. They My, really need their lands and you really get rid of them. They really need one drops. Yeah. The, the Death Shadow matchup was, is entirely dependent on who's on the play, who's on the draw. Um, if you can land the Chalice on one on the play against them, you're, that's everything. It's like, no, they don't even get to play magic without it. Um, I didn't lose, I didn't get 2-0'd a single time by any Death Shadow deck all weekend. I went to game three almost every time. Sure. Uh, I think every time. And... Sometimes I won, sometimes I lost. Uh, really tough matchups. There's a couple that have come up a little later in this one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, decks that decks that are really fast and don't need their lands as much. So Affinity is not a great matchup. Um, they come out a little too fast for you, and you don't really have... You have Engineered Explosives, but it's difficult for you to get an Explosives down correctly on the right number to be able to answer all the threats. Did you think about maybe I mean, uh, playing, like, if that's one of your bad matchups, like Pyroclasm in this side? Yeah, yeah, I played Anger of the Gods, and I also played um, Supreme Verdict, so I could definitely okay. see playing a Pyroclasm. That would make a lot of sense. Um, that was definitely a matchup that was harder. Merfolk's a really tough matchup because their lands are all basic. They don't care. You play Islands in the main deck, and the diversity of numbers, it's not all two drops. It's not all three drops. It's a mixture of the two. 
So right. they can end up, and then master, they can just curve into enough stuff that it's hard for you to answer, answer all the threats. Um, so those were kind of tough, but yeah, I think Death Shadow was pretty good for you. I think pretty much any decks that were like, like in fact, is a really good matchup. In fact, like has an almost impossible time beating you. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know what I would say the strongest and like the, the worst matchups were, but I mean, definitely like low CMC things that are hyper aggressive in the first couple turns, I think are probably your best matchups. And also, I think regular, like regular Jund and regular Abzan, just normal mid-range decks, are three-color mid-range decks are pretty good for you because you can take out their lands. Okay. Um, All right. Next, next round? Yep. Round five. I think this is where it started to get kind of a little more interesting for us. Here we go. Hey, guys. What's going on? Welcome back. We just wrapped up round five. And wouldn't you know it, we are still alive for day two. We're two and three. We picked up a match win. And, uh, you know, I, back in, was it round two or round three, uh, something sweet happened that we forgot to tell you guys about. So uh, Alex and I have these ridiculous play mats. They're not ridiculous. They're awesome. But they're <laughs> these play mats that we concepted where it's like he and I in a high-rise apartment playing magic in, like, sweet suits. And both of our faces are on them. And, like, I had two that I gave to, uh, to Ryan and Steve here to play with. So I'm using the old Masters of Modern Playmap. They've both got these mats to the left and right of me with my face on them, which is, like, if I had the Fatal tokens from Top Decking with my face as a vampire, we would just be, like, Team Douchebag. But we're, like, two-thirds Team Douchebag because we don't have all three. Um, but in round two or three, we went up against another guy who, like, had, like, a horizontally faced picture of this guy holding a trophy. And I was, like... What is that, Matt? Because it looked like friggin' McLovin or something. It looked like it looked like Fogel. I was like, "What is that?" And he's like, "It's like the 2002 JSS Super Series champion holding his trophy." And then he like points over to his buddy, who's like clearly like 13 years or like you know 14 years older now, and he's got like a beard. And he like rubs the guy's head. It's like the only time ever that I think we're gonna go up in a match where like we have a play mat with me on it, but somebody not other than me is playing it, and they have a play mat with one of their guys on it, but somebody other than him is playing it. It was too much. So anyway, that was the highlight we forgot to mention. But uh, we just wrapped up round five sat down with our opponents and it was like you guys having fun and the one guy was like we're not here to have fun and i was like whoa this is intense this is gonna be a tight match so um i did not win my match uh, i played against abzan and you know it was straight good abzan like i kind of got bad draws it wasn't really wasn't my best match but these guys carried it with wins so tell, tell me a little bit about your match guys how'd it go well, I was playing against uh, Titan Shift, or uh, I think it was mostly Titan Shift, but it was running Scape Shift also. So some This is Ryan talking, by the way, who uh, is playing uh, Jund Death Shadow. Uh, thank you. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I actually kind of misplayed like twice in a row game one. And uh, yeah, I, I was dreading having to come back here and explain how I lost. Like, oh, I swear I'm actually good at piloting this deck. But uh, um, yeah, and I, I uh, pulled it out in, uh, in games two and three. And would you believe uh, for the second time today, I won a game off of my opponent's uh, packed cost? Yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, yeah, the, the third game was interesting because the guy actually uh, pulled out a, a Chalice of the Void on one, which was really bad against me. Oh, man. And I had sided out most everything that could have dealt with it. And I still sort of had a plan, and I, I uh, ran out a, um, or rather, I, I had a Fulminator Mage that I was uh, planning to uh, run out and just start beating down with. And the guy made an interesting play of, like, a Summoner's Pact on four mana for, uh, uh, do you remember what he tutored for? Oh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, he, he, had, um, he had only just enough mana to pay for it, and I, I uh, the next turn I just Fulminator kill his land and that was the game so like he was really mana screwed and i was under the chalice so it was probably just gonna be a long top deck, uh, top deck fast and i just lugged my way into that it was awesome so how about you steve 
my I got another round of affinity and I was a little bit nervous because they're on the play most of the time or so far these matches and they're just laying out their hand and I'm like breeding pool noble hierarch and they're like all right here's ravager here's still overseer and I'm like how am I supposed to race this and they eventually lose gas I'll take care of things and then uh, with evasion infect them out yeah, Infect is super fast that way. You can be behind, but like a couple cards and one attacker undealt with, just like, you just game over, right? It's uh, it's really the become immense and Might of Old Krosa. That's what's really turning these games around. Might of Old Krosa from the Time Sparrow block, the sweetest block ever. Um, yeah, so the only other, I would say, relevant thing to mention that round is uh, A, the comment about not here to have fun. In the end, they were super nice dudes, and we chatted with them after the match a little bit. Um, certainly no shade thrown there. Um, I know what they mean. They want to get better. They're not there to have fun. They're there to, like, get better and win at Magic, which, you so know, that is shit. obviously a goal for everybody. Um, and then the second part of it was that uh, early on in the match, it was, like, close to the end of game one, and I motioned to a judge to watch my guy because it was going a little slow. And I'm notoriously a little bit of a slow player, too, but the reason I did it, and I just want everybody to know this, is when you're playing in a high-level tournament, if you're the person who tells your opponent to progress the game state, it can just get salty like that. Like, they just... It's not the best thing to have to do. And so you ask them to do it so that, in theory, the judge will stand there and kind of move it along, and it's not on you. You don't have to be the person responsible for it. Because saying it two or three times to a slow player gets really bad. But from there, it seemed like the judge was, like, sort of eagle-eyeing them and, like, was deck-checking him, and, like, it just got kind of uncomfortable and one of the guys got a little bit pissed about it. It created a little bit of an uncomfortable match for part of it, but like I said, rebounded, really fun chatting with him afterwards, and uh, all in all, was was a fun match. We're still excited. We're still alive. We just have to 4-0, and we're alive for day two. So uh, one word, how you feel right now? Excited. Hopeful. Texas forever. All right, guys, we'll see you later. Texas forever, Street. In the largest, the least largest state contest, where does Texas fall? I don't know. Second. Second largest? Yeah. Alaska. Yeah. The bus. How do you Te not know that? I don't know. Texas Forever is the line they always say in Friday Night Lights, which is like my favorite show ever. It's Friday right. Night Lights is your favorite show ever? It's like top three or four. Yeah. It's right up there. It's okay. like right behind like True Detective Season 1, The Wire. I don't think I've ever seen an episode. Oh, it's so good. It, that okay. show is so good. That's, I've always, never heard anyone say anything about that. And they always say Texas Forever. So I named my deck and our team Texas Forever. Much to the Is it Friday Night Lights because they play football and Friday nights? And yeah, because in lights. Texas, Friday Night is like the Friday Night Lights. Texas High school football in Texas How is do you like, play football and F&M at the same time in Texas? I don't. I would imagine there's not that much FNM in Texas, or at least there wasn't back in the time that the show is supposedly inspired well, by. When did the show take place? Uh, I mean, the show was like in the mid 2000s, but I think it's inspired. Uh, there was by magic in Texas. There are so many magic players being like, "I played magic in Texas." Yeah, probably. It's a great show. I highly. I <laughs> you highly played magic in the early 2000s. That's when your favorite block, Times Sparrow block, happened. Late. That's late 2000s. That's 07. 06, 07. Mid 2000s. Okay. Um. Yes, I that, I wanted to point that Being stuff out. Contentious. <laughs> Let's go to round six. <laughs> Woo, round six. Yep. Boom. And guys, we are back. We did it. We grounded out. We started one three. Here we are sitting at three and three. All we got to do is three zero -oh, our final three matches, and we get to come back for day two. A bunch of magic that we already paid for, getting no value whatsoever, <laughs> except for the fun of playing a whole bunch more magic tomorrow and recycled air, super dried out. We're having a great time. Um, so we uh, we just finished up the match. We played against a father and a son and that son's friend, and it took them a while. Um, the one buddy was like, I feel like I've seen you before, and I was like, oh. 
oh, I do this podcast. He's like, no, I don't listen to podcasts. And it took a while before he realized that I played the vampire on top decking. And uh, at that point, it was like you the all over. He was like, I do content, oh too. We've got to talk about it. But the coolest thing about the match was the kid I played against, which was, the, which was this guy's son, was playing a mill deck. He was playing straight up Glimpse the Unthinkable, Breaking Entering, like the whole the whole archive trap. I was so excited. I cracked a fetch land that he archive trapped me on the first turn of the game. I was like, this is what I used to take the PTQs. Did and I wanted to do this so badly, and he beat me in game one. So that was unbelievable. Um, we did take the match. You did not cast We surgical. did take the match, and once no, again, no, you guys yeah. picked up the slack, and I didn't even have to actually play my games. I just did it for the fun of playing the games. Um, tell me a little about your matches. Uh, mine was good. I, I played against Elves, and uh, before that, uh, before I forget, uh, from last round, I owe a shout out to our new friend Brian, who is uh, who you know uh, the, the local listener who showed us around last night, and he's organizing the fan meetup tonight. And when I played against Titan Shift, he he uh, had turned me on to the interaction with uh, Fulminator Mage and Surgical Extraction, which I did board in. Didn't actually get to use it, but that's you know you're trying to destroy their Valica and then get it out of the library so they can't search for it. So thanks, Brian, for that. And uh, playing against Elves is interesting because I I think uh, on the the MMcast Twitter there was. Uh, some discussion about this matchup, Death Shadow, uh, Death Shadow Jun versus Elves. Yeah. yeah, and my verdict is definitely that it, it's a pretty good matchup for me. They, they do go wide, but you only really have to worry about a number of key creatures, you know, the Lords, and, uh, you know, it's getting, like, the Court of Calling out of their hand. Uh, you know, save your spot removal for that, and, yeah, get a creature on the board. You can block. You can get through. That's where the trample combat tricks become really important. Uh, and, yeah, I went 2-0. It was, it was fun, and the deck performed really solidly. I'm feeling good. Super, super cool. Yeah, I would think that that's an interesting matchup, actually, now that you talk about it. Um, I would... I would think that early you can strip the threats, but if they draw the right top deck at the right moment in the game with a wide board, I feel like they can absolutely just wreck you. Yeah, there are definitely situations where they go wide enough. It can be a problem. So. Like, like them top decking a Court of Calling with a wide board, even if you've gotten rid of the Lord early, is, like, really bad for you, right? Yeah, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, they, they, uh, my opponent actually had a collected company that I had to kind of leave in his hand off the hope that he wouldn't draw enough mana for it because he, he had mold, he was a little bit low on lands. And uh, I was very lucky that he actually whiffed on it completely. So, yeah, kind of dodged a bullet there. Awesome. Now, Steve, how did your match go? You guys both 2 owed your matches before I even finished my first game, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. My match went, went pretty well. I was able to get a turn four off, turn four kill on both both uh, games against my opponent who was playing a, a green-white enchantment deck who we did a later interview who likes to call his deck trigger happy. He just loves his triggers. <laughs> so he was familiar when I started pumping. He's like, is that enough? I was like, well, here's the last kick, and uh, that finished it. Yeah, it was, like, pretty wild. He, like, he was, uh, his dad was, it was his dad. No, no, it was the, the guy I was playing was playing the mill deck. It was his dad who had said he played Magic in college and fell out of it. And then when his son started to get back into it, he got back in. So they're playing on this Team Unified event here, which is just, like, the coolest thing in the world to me. I, like, really am looking forward to the day that I have kids and they want to play Magic. Yeah, that's the dream, right? That's the <laughs> dream. Uh, they'll be, like, way too busy with their phone to play Magic. So, um, but I can hope. A man can hope. So, anyway, guys, thanks for, uh, for listening. Uh, this is us checking in after round six. We got a 3-0 the rest of the tournament here and and we're looking good uh we'll talk to you guys soon yeah there's uh there's no chance i'm gonna let my kids do anything other than play magic get off your phone son <laughs> pick up your magic cards <laughs> so did the mill player have fatal push in his deck uh yeah so did he cast fatal push against fatal it was the other kid he recognized me uh, but uh but no his deck was like do you remember okay i built two mill decks in my time right one of them was the all-in Esper deck from right when Modern was like first announced. This is a long time ago, right? The first printing of Mindsculpt. So before Breaking Entering, before White of Precinct 6, when you could still play Deathrite Shaman in Modern. That's like 
No, no, I'm sorry, sorry. The one before that was way before that. It was before Death Ray Shaman was printed. It was like the first year. And I took an Esper version of it with me. This summer before RTR. Yes, there was no okay. Supreme Verdict. And I took the like Ghost Quarter, Path to Exile, so I could get my archive traps off for free deck. And I took it to like a PTQ and it was fun. And then I built another version, which is closer to the one people ended up playing, which was Bug that played... Uh, it played Tarmogoyf and White of Precinct 6, which this kid was playing, and it played Deathrite Shaman, and it played all the mill spells. And this was like a hybrid version of the two decks, and it was awesome. It was just, he played one ensnaring bridge in the main deck that like effectively wrecked me <laughs> in one game. Um, I ended up we I ended up winning and playing like the for fun games after. It's a, it's listening to these recaps. It's becoming apparent to me how pat how badly I did this tournament. I like didn't realize how many matches I lost. It sounds like I've so far of the six we've done. Sounds like I've done I've won three of them, but only one of them was a real match, and the other two were both funsy for funsies games that we played. But in my mind, I like so you're really good against people that don't even have to. You like just psych people out. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, shall we uh, shall we keep going on the list? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This was definitely our highest moment. Aside from being 2-0 after the first match, our, our second highest moment was, was fighting back from 1-3 to get to 3-3. And we are back after round seven. The dream is dead, guys. Darth Vader is Luke's father. It's no! a horrible and sad and chilling reality. Spoiler alert is what happened. So... Here we are in Texas. And you were with Star Wars. Uh, there's just that taking much more time for barbecue all now. Down with we us. we got knocked out um, on on the back of my wacky brew, I think. Um, which you know, it, I'm happy. I have. I'm happy. I brought it. I can't wait to do the full deck tech on it and everything. I have cool ideas for the next way to take it, but. Uh, I just went against, I think, what is maybe like the worst possible matchup for it. Um, I haven't really talked extensively on here about what I'm doing, but the majority of my threats are in soul artifacts on Darksteel Citadels and other zero mana artifacts. And I'm playing Greater Gargadon and Ancestral Vision in the deck and a bunch of free spells and things like that that uh, want me to be able to get free spells. So this is the Eldrazi and Taxes deck, which means he's got main deck Flicker Wisps to bounce my things. He's got main deck uh, Displacer to flicker my things. He's got main deck Thalia and Arbiter to make it difficult for me to search and all my free spells to cost more. He has, what else am I forgetting that was just like, his Wasteland Strangler in the main deck. So he can, he can take my Gargadon or my Vision and put it in my graveyard. Unknowingly, it's not even why he's playing that card. Uh, it was definitely brutal. Uh, I even had like a turn set up to like catch and like take the you know thought out here that was a problem, and I was gonna sack it to Gargadon. Then he was like Wasteland, Wasteland Strangler, and that was just the pits. So, um, but in any case, I think there's still some really fun stuff going on with this deck, and the guys were really nice, and they were actually fans of the show. They had heard us on the show doing the doing the, the announcement, and they thought that you know the the call calling Steve on the cast and everything, they were really excited about it. So Steve was like playing against Dredge in round one, and they were like, the reason I'm playing Dredge against him is you. You suggested that. So thanks to Alex Kessler for that, because that's his thing. How are your guys' matches? Ryan, first. Uh, it was kind of tough. I played uh, I played against Affinity uh, with my Death Tron deck, and uh, as with a lot of decks, you know, that, that feels uh, really tough to beat in game one, but it's, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I feel a lot better after sideboarding. Uh, unfortunately, one of the cards that I just cannot deal with is uh, Etch Champion, which, uh, yeah, you know, we, we talked in testing about maybe putting uh, Kozilek's Return on the sideboard, which uh, can destroy that because of the Devoid ability, but uh, we didn't find a slot for it, and uh, <laughs> I was facing down one, and um, it actually audible into like kind of an interesting thing where I uh, I hard cast a Gore Clan 
Rampage, and I was trying to apply pressure with that and a Tarmogoyf, and I had just like a grip full of removal, where my plan was to like keep the board clear of everything else, and I actually got through for some damage for a few turns. Might have worked if he didn't stick the second Nets champion, and then it was just all over. I couldn't get through anything, so I lost game two that way. I guess that's why you play eight main deck uh, hand disruption spells, is just so you can maybe try to get it out of their hand before they cast it. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something you want to hit with uh, with an Inquisition of Coast like, uh, Just the cards didn't line up that game. I don't think I had any any hand hate, and you definitely top deck that second one late. So, yeah, you just, uh, to a certain extent, you just have to draw the right card at the right time in that matchup. Fair enough. Steve, how about you? How'd it go? Uh, I was playing Dredge, and I saw him play the Neonate turn one. He, well, he shocked with a stomping ground. I'm like, all right, please be Titan Shift. He plays a Neonate, and I'm like, well, this is terrible. I have to dodge Conflagurate. I was able to uh, chip him through slowly, and then game two, I got him on a turn one Grabdigger's Cage and just took the game from there. Yeah, that's pretty brutal, those high-impact sideboard cards. These Eternal Formats with the high power and everything being like such low CMC, that tends to sort of be how it is. You want to just fill your sideboard with high-impact cards that can just win the game on their own on turn one. Um, and, you know, if you draw them, you, it's great, and if not, you don't. And that's why people sometimes, some people think Modern's too swingy for that reason. But, uh, yeah, it was good. We've got two rounds left, and then we've got the fan meetup for the MM cast we're going to go to, and it sounds like maybe we're going to knock out the eighth round, see where we're at, maybe play the ninth. I'm not really sure, but um, this has been such a fun day so far. Really, really enjoying it. So how's your guys' level of uh, level of energy? Is it starting to wane? Uh, not really. I'm still having so much fun. This is the GP of a lifetime. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I'm starting to get, like, a little, like, airheady and dehydrated, but I'm trying to stay, trying to stay focused. How about you, Steve? Uh, my alertness is going down. I made a misplay on game two of the last match where I sequenced backwards, and I'm like, I'm starting to really feel the fatigue, but uh, I'm feeling good otherwise. Yeah, I would say the highlight of the last match for me was probably after we were done and somebody at the next table asked me to sign a spell skite. So <laughs> that was <laughs> that's the best thing I got going for me at this point today. I'm always happy to sign a spell skite. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll be back after round uh, eight. Yep, so that was the case at that point. My spirits were... Uh, I was trying to keep a good game face. So a long time ago, <laughs> yeah. probably about 100 episodes ago, uh-huh. we once did an episode Top on... 100 like, artifacts? No, how to like <laughs> like prepare physically for a tournament. Yeah. Did you follow those rules? How much water did you drink during this tournament? A lot, actually. Okay. I, I continued to fill up my water bottle. I actually was, to be honest with you, I was getting a little tired, but I had done pretty well... Um, for this tournament, I like you know ate pretty well and everything. I th- I think traveling to a GP it's a bit harder. Um, would be the one thing I would say. I think when you come from home, you're usually in a little bit more of like a comfortable surrounding. You're not flying in somewhere and like cramming the night before necessarily. You can get a little earlier of a night. Um, it's just sort of the nature of this trip made it I think a little harder to sort of live the way I. If this GP were in LA, I would have probably gotten up at six or seven and probably like gone to the gym or gone for a run to kind of sweat it out and just like wake up and probably cooked something or had the ability to eat something that was like a little cleaner. Um, you know, get there. Just I think just your your general rhythm is a little easier if you're coming from home, but that's not the case for most people. I think a lot of us fly to GPs. But on the whole, I mean, this was not the day where I like I didn't wake up super hungover and like had a you know a mcdouble for breakfast or something like you know i definitely i definitely stayed on top of it and i think that's reflected i mean my energy sure. level in these recordings is still pretty high and this is already like six or seven o'clock we've already been up going for quite a while yeah we all i mean the thing about this is that the reason this was such a fun gp and this was probably the best gp i've ever been to i mean the only other one that i could think of was gp vegas a couple of years ago just because i did well and it was really fun to be in vegas um but 
I think like the, one of the things that made this so fun was, I mean, just Ryan and Steve were just the best. Like, and Brian too. I mean, and Diana. Like, the people I spent time with this weekend were great, and everybody was just in such a good mood. Everybody was so happy to be on this team and having fun. I mean, the number of fans that I met, listeners that I met, were just, and everybody was so cool and like so excited to be at this GP. Um, the, the interest in modern is crazy, crazy high, and and. I think Wizards needs to keep supporting it because, like this, this event sold out way in advance. It drew like tons of big name players, and uh, yeah, I just think it was awesome. So uh, we're gonna move through these last couple rounds here so we can wrap up. Yep. Um, let's let's play round eight. Skadoosh. And we're back. If you can hear the low tone in the voice, it is because there's only one round left. We're in Texas. We haven't had any brisket today. And uh, we are almost done. Yeah, we're almost done. Big MVP of the day in terms of matches, though. We've got Steven, his very, very first Grand Prix ever. And your personal record is what? I'm 6-2 uh, and two now. So which means that if you were playing in a regular Grand Prix, you'd be going into your win and in for day two and, and still having a shot at top eight, which is pretty impressive for your first Grand Prix. I didn't do that for, like, my first seven Grand Prix or something. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's such an awesome. Um, so I... I definitely think that the deck, as I've alluded to several times that I built, uh, has some holes. It's not playing enough Claws of Gix. I think that's definitely the problem. It's not playing enough Claws of Gix. Um, but uh, that last match was, it was fun. It was normal. It wasn't, I played Affinity, which I had dodged so far today. And um, I, like Blood Moon kind of shut us both out of the second game, but he just plays colorless things. So that worked for him. How did your match go? Uh, pretty well. I played against Spanteldrazi, and uh, that's uh, that's a pretty good matchup for my deck. Uh, you know, you just have to have Death Shadows that are bigger than their stuff and make sure to hold on to those uh, fetch lands so you can kill their uh, Thutnots here with Fatal Push. Um, yeah, face down a Relic of Progenitus out of the sideboard, which really doesn't hose my deck as badly as you think it would. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get to finish the third game because uh, because the, the team match ended, but I kind of felt like I was favored to win that. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you can probably bring your life total super low against that deck without really worrying, because they have no access to any kind of burn. Smasher is the only thing that they really play that could, like, get you with your pants down. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're playing big enough stuff and you're playing around that, they literally have to top deck Smasher as their burn. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, they, you know, they've got a little bit of uh, hand disruption of their own in the form of Thought Knots here, but, you know, you can get the card advantage back. So, yeah, it, it, was, a real, it was a real fair slugfest. A lot of bodies on the board, a lot of back and forth. It's a fun one to play. Thought Knots here is such a busted magic card. That magic yeah. card is so good. Um, Steve, what was your matchup like? I was, uh, oh, what was I playing? I was playing against Death Shadow for the first time today. I was lucky enough to dodge it, and... He just has more removal than I had protection. He has Liliana, uh, Last Veil, which Edicts, and I can't save from that. I tried being getting real desperate and attacking with Noble High Arcs, and that didn't end up working out. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, yeah, my matchup was, like I said, pretty standard affinity. There wasn't really anything all that crazy or complicated going on there. It just was what it was. So it sounds like we're maybe talking about uh, looking for some, some late-night magic action in Texas where we can find some late-night action um, to, like, do a chaos draft or something. Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to maybe look and see for something like that. But uh, it's been an awesome day. Uh, I'm totally dehydrated now. I finished my spicy smoked sausage sticks that I had in my bag, so I'm officially running on empty now. And um, I think we're going to play our, our last match. We're going to go for the gold here and see if we can finish strong with a win to close it out. So uh, Team Texas Forever, guys. Woo! <laughs> so for the purpose of uh, getting to the end of the day, because at this point I can't imagine it's that exciting for you guys listening to us just grinding out the last couple matches, um, I'm just going to go pretty much straight into the last round. 
and play it right now. So did 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 you win the next round? Yes. That was the last round. No, that was the eighth. But no, but the next one. Yeah, you're gonna play the last one right now. The ninth one. Yeah, we, we did a recap of it. This is our final. But you recap. said you're skipping all the way to the last round. So we're at the last round. Well, instead of talking between it, but now the point's been sort of erased because you and I have talked between it. Uh, I was gonna be like, you're and here's the next round. Yes. Yes. Okay. But now we're talking. I see. I ruined that for you. Do I have something in my teeth? No. Just kidding. You should Let's play it. <laughs> and we're back. If you can hear the low tone in the voice, that's it the eighth. Is. That's the that's the eighth round again. I just wanted to play you guys the same round again. Wow, you're just that. Yeah. You, you did it. Yeah. And we're back, guys, in the back seat of the car here. Where uh, this is, we just finished round nine. We played it through. You're gonna hear the the, the roaring streets of San Antonio. You're gonna hear the the uh, you're gonna hear Siri telling us where to go. We're headed to the, the meetup right now at Mitiera. What a fun day! What an awesome day! I, after nine rounds of magic and a losing record, I still feel like super positive and like I had so much fun. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, yeah, really good. Uh, that last round was uh, was a lot of fun playing against uh, against some newcomers to the game. Yeah, yeah. it uh, for for my people first who GP, didn't understand is, magic all that well. <laughs> I look forward to hopefully many more in my future. Yeah, man, I I think uh, you should be very proud of yourself at seven two on your on your first one. That's like really pretty hard to do. I think I ate one last summer, two summers ago. It was the first time I had ever made day two. Um, so, like, it's, it's not really that easy to do. And, you know, if you had done that in regular competition, then you would have done it. So that's that's pretty cool for your first one. Definitely something to be worth flying out from Alaska for. Um, so, yeah, I think overall I would say I like the team unified format a lot. Uh, I definitely think that one of you, was it you that were, was talking about the seating pairings and how if they were randomized it would maybe make the matchups different? Who was saying that? Somebody I, was saying I was. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. There was all sorts of talk, especially in the earlier rounds, about uh, putting the strongest player in the center seat so that that person can talk to both teammates. And uh, there was some sort of strange pattern about putting strong people on A. I don't know if that was just uh, over-extrapolation or what. But, yeah, a lot, a lot of, like, weird tea leaves to read there. Yeah, it was hard to kind of figure out exactly how it was breaking down, but I agree with you. Um, there was a minute there when I played Death Shadow in back-to-back matches where I was like, oh, man, all the Death Shadows players are going to be in the middle. But I, it wasn't the case in the end. In the end, I found the field to be pretty diverse. I played a lot of different decks. I didn't play any deck more than two times. And what about you guys? Did any of you guys play any decks more than two times? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I had a wide variety of matchups. I don't believe I did ever play the same deck twice, yeah. Now, there was definitely a lot of the same... Part. There was definitely a lot of the same decks in the trios. That's for sure. It seemed... I think like five or six of the of the groups we probably played against had Death Shadow in them, maybe maybe four or five of them. But like half the field, it felt like was was some variation on the Death Shadow deck, and that does make me think, going forward in modern, if it's that dominant of a strategy, that would strike me as the next thing that experiences a banning. But what would they ban if they were going to ban something out of Death Shadow? Like I, you can't, you don't want to ban Bobble because it doesn't, like, and I do, you don't want to ban Street Wraith because. It, I guess that would be the, probably the card you'd ban, though it hurts Living End, which sucks. What do you guys think? You can't you can't get too much without taking away from other decks. I think one of the safer bets might be Traverse, until it starts getting explored into other strategies that also utilize the Silver Bullets. Uh, Death Shadow was a deck that survived a banning. It used to play. Uh, probe and become immense and when it lost probe it went on a more mid-rangey strategy strategy as opposed to the aggro strategy it used to be 
What do you think as far as bannings on the Death Shadow deck? Yeah, I was going to say Traverse too. It wouldn't surprise me if they go after the the, the tutoring card that uh, you know provides a ton of consistency. You know, can get a, a number of uh, toolbox pieces, and you know they might just also go after the namesake card. You know, Death Shadow is this thing where you know at only one mana it can be huge. Uh, you know, that would also hit the Esper and the Grixis builds. I don't know if that would be considered too broad, but, you know, it would at least bring sort of the, the, the John uh, Norm kind of back to the mid-range place that we've been uh, familiar with for, for a few years now. I mean, I guess thinking about the Death Shadows lists, okay, you play Fetches and Shocks, which bring your life total low, which is a mainstay in the format. You play eight main deck hand disruption spells, four of which you lose two life off of. You have Tarmogoyf, and you have Death Shadow. And that's the core of the deck. So Traverse makes it less consistent, but... I think the card Death Shadow is going to continue to be good, sort of no matter what you do, as far as those specific other cards go. Just just because the mana base and Thoughtseize make it kind of the way that that works, right? Right. So that that's really interesting. That was definitely that that seemed to be the theme today. But aside from that, my general experience today was just like so much fun. Everybody was great. Everybody was in like a great mood. We had basically like no really bad beats, no like rubbins moments. Didn't have any like conflict with anybody really. And just in general was a super, super fun day, something I would absolutely do again, and I hope they do again soon. Yeah, you know, being a, being the Death Shadow pilot with that sort of being the deck of the day, it definitely put an interesting kind of kind of pressure on me. You know, I felt like, oh, I've got to perform, and uh, and you know, relative to my own average performance, I felt like maybe I underperformed a little bit, but not too bad. You know, I think I was also uh, four out of nine uh, for the day, which you know, in uh, in such a very competitive field and with the metagame gutting for me, I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. I had a really good time. This was a, a super positive experience. It was great hanging out with you guys. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Last thing to say, real quick, before I throw to you, Steve, for your final thoughts, is that, you know, good deck, bad deck, whatever, as long as you're not playing, like, just, like, a giant pile of Claws of Gix, um, <laughs> no, as long as you're not just playing, like, only bad cards, magic more claws is so, the so competitive in a yes, format. Yes, more Claws of Gix. Even if you have a good deck, you can still, like, you can still, like, four, five, and nine so round awesome. tournament just by, like, bad luck. Good players lose all the time. And you see the best players in the world that do incredible all the time, but that's because all they do is play magic. It's literally the only thing they do. Professional is not a word that should be thrown around lightly with anything. And they are absolutely pros for a reason. You know, they can consistently 7-2 and 8-1 these day ones because they know every single nuance of every match. They can read the metagame in a way that unless you're doing it literally for a living as all you do, it's not really possible to do. So I think you did fine, and I, I don't think underperforming is a reflection of your your gameplay i think it's a reflection of just like that's magic at that high level oh thanks very much it was great to be part of the team yeah 100 percent. steve anything from you it i want to eventually i do have plans to move on to the states from uh from middle of nowhere alaska and i know that as long as i can keep up how i'm doing with my obsession with magic i i look forward to going to many more gps and hopefully coming into some day twos well, I hope we're all in Vegas, guys, because that's going to be an absolute blast. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the MMCast. This was a lot of fun. And uh, back to me and Kessler talking about probably more Claws of VX in the future. Bye, everybody. That's us. Yeah, so you, about you, those Claws of VX. You talked to us. Yeah. That was you talking to the future. You're yeah, like that's pretty good. You're like a time reader. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this is a long episode, and I hope that was fun to listen to. I, sh- I wish I hadn't dropped the thing about how it ended early in the episode. That was bad. Grant, if you follow on Twitter, it's very clear what happened. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, wow, spoilers. But yeah, what are you gonna do? Happened. So yeah, it was super fun. Um, I think in the end, my record was probably something like four and five as well for my matches. Um, and it 
was a fun deck to take. It was a fun deck to brew up and to work on with these guys. Um, I know this is a weird thing to say, but I think of the nine rounds I played, I rolled on the play eight, uh, once out of eight. Or, sorry, once out of nine. It was one and eight. So you were, like, behind every time. Horrible. Like, like, a, like an unbelievably bad track record. Like, I think I went seven in a row without rolling, the, winning the die roll. And for a deck that's trying to turn one chalice off a spirit guide, that's, like, everything. Going first is, like, everything. And so... You should be better at magic. Yeah, so that was a bummer. That was definitely a bummer. Um, but the big, you know, the big changes. I mean, there's two things now. Because one, I had changes that I would have made to the deck, and those changes aren't actually changed that much now by the rules change. But the biggest thing is with the rules change, the sort of free spell aspect off of the expertise cards and the free spell aspect off of uh, Goblin Dark Dwellers now goes away. So what I actually think the deck wants to do, and I know this is going to sound crazy, there's a card called Claws of Gix. It's, I kept making jokes about it because I was talking about it all then. It was, it was originally in my head as an idea for something I wanted to put in this deck, but it's a zero-mana artifact originally an uncommon from Urza's Saga. It was reprinted in time sh- in, uh, as a time-shifted card, and the deal with it is it's a zero-mana artifact with the ability of one colorless sacrifice a permanent gain a life. And it's not a particularly good magic card normally, but the reason that it's interesting in this deck is because playing it gives you effectively more copies of Greater Gargadon to have. And if you're playing all of these zero mana artifacts to attack for five on turn two with Soul Artifact, it combines really nicely with the strategy you were already playing. So the card you want to play more of to go with it is the card Catch, Catch Release, which is basically the Zealous Conscript's ability except on a blue-red one sorcery. So for three mana, you can steal a permanent for your premier opponent, give it haste, untap it, and return it end of turn, which means that with the Claws of Gix out on zero... Turn three, Closet Gix turns into steal their land, untap their land, and then tap it yourself to generate one colorless to sacrifice it to the Closet Gix. So combined with the boom bust that you can play on turn two off the Darksteel Citadel and the Flagstones, it really makes your deck into a turbo land destruction deck. Yeah, turn turn one, destroy their land. Turn, t- turn, sorry, turn like, two, destroy their land. Turn three, destroy their yeah. land. And if you have another boom bust, turn one, destroy their land. If yeah. it's a mean spirit guide. Because if you don't, ha- and even if you don't have the claws, you still have Gargadon. So now, originally I wanted to go four, 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 and four. Four Gargadon, four claws, four catch, four boom bust. But I think in the end, after testing a little bit the second day, I proxied up the new version. I ended up playing three claws, one engineered explosives, and seven seemed like the right number. But it just, the, just the level of interaction that is increased by being able to have four more steel spells that can steal a creature or a land or a planeswalker or an artifact is just like you, you end up feeling like a control deck as opposed to a gimmick deck, and you still have the attack for five on turn two play. So that's like the big difference in the direction I wanted to take the deck. I increased it from two flagstones to four, so you have you know eight ways to hit your boom on turn two. Um, Claws of Gix combines with flagstones to, to turn it into a basically a fetch land. You play a Claws on, on turn one and a flagstones on turn one. You just tap it, sacrifice it to the thing, and it fetches out. You gain a life. It's gain a life fetch land instead of lose a life fetch land. Um, granted, you can't put it into play t- untapped, which is the only problem, but it just it just seemed a lot more interesting and. Um, obviously with the changes in the cards, I think probably you would mention a Johnny Vengeant probably is better to play than Shrimes Expertise now because you can't cast the free spells. Yeah, the- since you look at the free spell, a Johnny Vengeant is a, th- a ninth, tenth, uh, tap down. It is also a remove. Like it does a lot of things your deck wants to do and it, and it eventually is a land destruction spell. Like it is a land destruction spell when you tap it because it taps something down. Yeah. And then when you ultimate it, it kills other lands. I think you would probably, in the version I want to play now, play three or four Ancestral Visions again. Probably probably four. And you would probably keep the two Jaces and maybe two copies of the Expertise. Um, may, maybe no. See, I, don't, I think you cut Jace 
maybe even the cut the ancestrals. Like maybe you just get rid of the cheat stuff in the play plan because like we were talking before, like there's a uh, a strive grab a creature. Yeah. So maybe play that instead of um, instead of the expertise. You hit, you hit these expertise and just kind of go with the land destruction removal base. It's the strive is pretty expensive. I think it's three additional for each creature past the first. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's, it's like generally six, a three mana spell. It's but. six mana to steal two things. I don't know if it's necessary. I would still think just playing the expertise, the red one, is better because you can still cast a Jace or you can still cast like an insole artifact or um, maybe, maybe you're playing more, maybe you tailor the deck to play more two mana spells and you keep the red expertise in. You play Ancestral and more two mana spells. I had I had considered a version of this deck that maybe would want to play like some of the some of the two mana draw card wellspring, Icker wellspring to suit up and attack on turn three with. Um, it's possible because of Gargadon and Claws of Vix that it's actually good and you can get away with it. It's just like a really effective card draw spell. Um, and I mean, maybe you cut the Ancestral Vision and you replace the Ancestral Vision with that and that becomes and then that becomes the deal is instead of trying to cheat draw, draw cards, you end up spending two colorless to draw two cards a lot of the time. Catches red-blue. Red-blue colorless, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not really sure, something like that. But uh, in any case... Uh, that is what I ended up playing, guys. That was the deal with the deck. And I think there are interesting applications for it going forward. I'm going to keep testing it, and I'll keep talking to you guys about it on yeah, here. And I'd love to hear people's thoughts on ways they think they could change the deck now with the rules changed and what yeah. they could do with it. So make sure to check out the list on collected.company. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the TheMMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Um, you can find this episode, the deck list from this episode, uh, and just all of our other episodes at collected.company. Uh, you should make sure to check us out on Patreon. That is where we are able to fund this podcast. That's how we're able to fund Ben Beal. Literally the, GP. the only way we can. Anything we do, anything cool, is to go there. So check that out. And uh, make sure to check out the command zone, also on collected.company. And uh, I think that's... that's. Oh, you're uh, 10 Minutes of Magic. Yes, and I have a show on Anchor called 10 Minutes of Magic that is me talking for 10 minutes every single day and two to three minute blurbs about things in the Magic the Gathering world. Everything from one card at a time to trivia to like this cool incremental magic game I'm playing with listeners where we're going back and forth. It's basically like Twitter meets podcasting, these little like Snapchat level audio blurbs that fall off after 24 hours. When you go to the station, you have one day's worth of content and they're partnered with iTunes and Spotify. So it's, you know, full licensed music between your bits. It's really fun. You can call in and, and share your thoughts. I can post your calls on my station. I'm having a blast with it. It's been really, really awesome. So one more time, thanks so much for Steve and Ryan, Diana and Brian, everything this weekend, hanging out with everybody. And it was just a blast. Um, San Antonio was great. Everybody was extremely nice. Every single listener that came up and introduced themselves. It was great to meet you. And uh, thanks for making my magic weekend the most fun in the world. Um, thanks, guys. Bye. Thank Bye, you for your attention. See you later, alligator. <laughs>